You know what a MiFi is? What is the MiFi? Yeah. Yeah, so if, if we don't have internet here, we're supposed to still have internet through MiFi. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm playing all the angles. So I work. So you want you just learn something about me. That guy is always trying to position all the angles. I do. I got problems. So pray for me. That's my problem. I'm checking all the angles. I look at every angle. And if and if we have problems while my fight, I'm gonna get another angle, trust me. Because especially when it comes down to the things of God, I just I I don't take no, I don't stop, I don't slow down. I'm just like, this is what I'm going to live for and die for. That's just the bottom line. So let's just see what we got to do. Amen. But we had a great time this weekend at the prayer conference, and I thank God for that. But it reminded me of how much we prayed 20, 30 years ago. And church, we need to go back to that. We need to go back to praying all the time. Prayer is not just to get something from God. Prayer is what we do to have fellowship with God. So we need to do a whole lot more of that, and we will begin to see a mighty move of God like we have never seen before because it's what connects us with God. It's what keeps us spiritually alert and awakened. But if we just show up and just look for information like this morning as I'm preaching, are you going to listen for information or you're going to hear what I'm saying, mix it with your faith and let God work in you? That's the way it's supposed to be, Tony. I'm talking to you, Tony. I don't, I don't know. Everybody's tired this morning. And y'all don't want me to start talking. Listen, I taught Bible study Thursday night. Now, remember, all of this, I got to study for it. And I got to pray about it. I taught Bible study Thursday night. I preached Friday night. I preached Saturday morning. And I preached 9 o'clock this morning. And I'm preaching now. And I will not walk up here and just talk to you. I'm going to put my heart and soul into it. So y'all got to give me better. That's just all I'm saying. All I'm saying. Now, now, you might say, well, God called you to be the preacher. And God called you to be the saint. Just saying. You know, we got all these things up in our minds sometimes how we respond and do things and, you know, feel like we okay. No, God called me to be the preacher and the saint and called you to be the saint. So if I'm going to put my all and all into this, I need you to put some stuff into it, too. Because I ain't tired. And so what, what did I learn? Lord, I hope I preach the word today because you can take me a different direction just like that. Here's what, here's what I've learned over the years. Because you might not know this. The more engaged you are with God, the energy from a spiritual standpoint that you have is incredible. The only time you lose that energy is when you cease to do the things of, y'all don't know. When you do for the Lord all the time and just constantly do it, you will always have the energy and the vibrancy and, and, and all the, the effort that you need and the passion you need. The time that you don't have it is when you stop doing for the Lord. We're going to see that this morning in the scripture. You'll see it in the scripture that as long as you're doing God's business, but as soon as you see, she said, oh, I'm tired. Let me sit down a little bit here. Oh, let me take a load off. Uh-huh. But you worship God. You praise God throughout the whole service. Got to take y'all one day to a Spanish service. There is joy in the house of the Lord. There is. And you go, you go, to, you go to one of those Spanish services and there, 
Spanish Pentecostal, of course, and they're worshiping God. And you're like, do they ever sit? No, there is joy in the house of the, and they're going and they're going the whole service preacher preaching and they're going the whole service and you're wondering what's wrong with them. All of us can do it. It just comes down to how engaged we'll be in the spirit. Because when you're engaged in the spirit, you're not operating on your strength. You're operating from the strength the Holy Ghost produces. Just saying, just saying, just saying. Don't forget Tuesday is our family Zoom meeting. And we want everybody to be a part of our family Zoom meeting on Tuesday the 16th at 7 p.m. All we need to do is send you the link. So if you don't have the link to our family Zoom meeting for this Tuesday at 7, please see Sister Patrice, Brother Scarlett, Brother Ethan, whoever you need to see, they will get you the link to our family Zoom meeting. We want you on it. And if you don't want us to, uh, you know, greet you so everybody can see you, then we won't because some people are shy. But if you're not shy, we will engage you. It's not a preaching engagement. It's just a time where we come together and have fellowship. And this family Zoom meeting, we will take the opportunity to vote on some really good news, if you think it is. And so we'll vote on some things that we believe the Lord is doing. And then we will determine if we will move forward in that endeavor or not. So we need everybody that's a member of Christ Center Church to be on this Tuesday so you can give your input. I love input. And, and, and I never want to hear what, don't tell me what you think I want to hear. I want, I want you to learn it about me. You don't have to tell me what you think I want to hear. Tell me what you think. Very important. Don't tell me what you think I want to hear. Tell me what you think. God put you in this church so you can contribute. So we're all not doing just thinking the same way. And so we have a whole lot of blind spots because if we all think the same way, Ethan, then we got a whole lot of blind spots. We need God put us all in the body to have our own mind and our own experiences that we've had so we can contribute in different ways, shape or form. So I need to hear from everybody what they think and don't hold back. It's okay. You know, this is not the world where when you don't agree with us, we mad at you. That's what people in the world do. If we're real Christians, we can disagree and still love one another and still keep one another in in closeness and and loving one another. So don't forget that. Also, we want you to go on our YouTube channel, Christ-Centered YouTube YouTube channel, and we want you to go and subscribe. Why? Because we want to have a thousand followers at least. So if they change up what they're doing, we will not be uh, removed from that platform. So please go and uh, subscribe to our, our, our YouTube channel, Christ Center Church, and also uh, Facebook. We want you to go and like everything that we're doing there. Appreciate all of you doing that. Also, I know what I didn't say at 9, um, 9 a.m. That I, that I wanted to say. So um, for those of you that are a little technology savvy, um, we, we got a new domain Um, because we are working on developing an app for our church. And so we wanted to make something simple because, you know, Christ-centered online is kind of lengthy. And so we wanted to give you something different to find our our website and when we get our app, our, you know, church app. And so we were able to purchase the um, the following domain, myccc.faith. 
mycc.faith. So if you ever want to go to the website, you can use the old domain, ChristCenteredOnline.com, or you can just um, type in mycc.faith. Just that simple. So when we get our app, we will name it mycc.faith or mycc. Doesn't matter. So just wanted to give you that piece of information there. And um, I'm sure it will help some of you. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's get into the word of the Lord. Amen. I know some of you have special plans today, and I don't want to hold up your plans. And so if you will stand with me and turn your Bibles to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 4. Amen. Mark chapter 4. Hallelujah. Um, I don't know if um, Kyrema had a chance to get on. What did she say? Okay, just make sure you all save this message. Take care of my girl, Shauna. Make sure she get today's message. Yep, I want to let her know that I, I'm thinking about her and that I appreciate her and love her. So if she don't get a chance to um, view it live, make sure you guys get this um, message to her um, so she can listen to it and view it. Amen. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 4. Amen. Verse number 35. You guys are there already, aren't you? All right. The word of God says, And the same day when the evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. He said, Let us pass over. This included himself. All right. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Man, I don't know where they got a pillow from on that little ship. This wasn't no cruise ship. It was a fisherman boat. And he had a pillow. Go ahead, Jesus. And they awoke him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Question. And he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea. And he rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? That's, pretty inter- that's a pretty interesting comment. They said, what manner of man is this? I thought they'd been walking with him. I thought they saw him do miracles. I I thought they experienced his power and all of this stuff. Why were they like confused saying, what manner of man is this? Hmm. Very interesting. I want to minister to you this morning on this topic. Lord, don't you care? Lord, Don't you care? Lord, 
Don't you care? In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word and for allowing all of us to be gathered here in person and online. I thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing with our congregation online. Lord, there is something happening with our congregation online and also the congregation here in person. We're grateful for this, Lord, but we know we've only scratched the surface, Lord, and we know there's greater things in store if we will just submit and obey and follow and allow our faith, oh God, to operate. We know we will be able, Lord God, to go where you want us to go and to do what you want us to do. And I pray this morning in the name of Jesus uh, that your power, Lord God, will raise us to a new dimension in you and that, Lord, we will experience the signs, wonders, uh, demonstration, uh, and for the fulfilling of the will of God in us, uh, through us, uh, and for those, Lord God, that have not yet become a part of your kingdom. Will you have your way this morning? Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Lord, help us that we will leave this place changed, that we will leave this place encouraged, that we will leave this place with great expectation from you, that we will leave this place, Lord God, in great faith, oh God, knowing that you will do what you said that you would do. We pray and ask you these things. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Lord, don't you care? This is a question many of us have thought but may not have uttered. Lord, don't you care? We may have thought it many times but may not have uttered it. Some may have thought it and may very well have uttered it. This could be an honest question, but maybe not. It also could be a disingenuous question. It also could be a selfish question. It also could be you're just whining to the Lord. And it very well could be a question because you're immature. Learning requires testing. Learning requires testing. It makes no sense to say I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning, but I never get tested to prove that I've learned and I know something. And so learning requires testing. The same day as we read in the scriptures refers to the day on which Jesus gave the parables of the kingdom to the disciples and those that were there. He's, he taught them about the kingdom. He was teaching. If you go to Mark chapter 4 and you start in verse 1 and read all the way down to verse 35 and throughout to 41, you will see that he started teaching about the concepts of the kingdom. And so he wasn't teaching just for his health. <laughs> he wasn't teaching just to be teaching. He taught them so they can learn, and learning requires testing. 
He had been teaching his disciples the word, and now he would give them a practical test to see how much they had really learned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The hearing of the word of God is intended to produce faith in our life. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so if we're going to receive faith, we have to hear the word of God. So I'm here to tell you this morning, what is one of the essential reasons to be a part of church service every time the church has service? So you can hear the word of God. Because the less of the word you hear, the very less faith you have. The more of the word of God you hear, the more faith you will have. Nobody said it in this congregation, but they said it this morning. They didn't speak it out loud, but they thought it, and I heard it. So here's what they thought this morning. You all have been good because you didn't think this. Here's what they thought this morning. Well, I can just listen to preaching on YouTube and Facebook and any other platform so I can hear the word of God and so I can build faith. And the Lord told me what to tell them what the answer is to that. So here's the answer to that. When you listen to preaching... Any place else outside of your church, you get inspired for a minute, but it won't build your faith. The Lord said, your faith will be built where I place you. So the congregation that I place you in, when you hear the word of God being preached in that congregation your faith will be built because i tell that man of god what to say the people you're listening to wherever you're listening to it might be for somebody else and not for you and it might not be the right word according to the scriptures but where i placed you because god will never place you any place where false doctrine is being preached god will never place you any place where you won't your faith won't be built. Wherever God puts you, it's just right for you. Mm-hmm. So faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Mm-hmm. It is not enough for us to learn a lesson or be able to repeat teaching and not be tested. We must also be able to practice that lesson by faith. And that is one of the reasons why God permitted the trials or the trial for the disciples. And if God is no respecter of persons, if he is going to teach his disciples and then put them in a trial so they can make sure they had learned and heed what he had taught them, then so will he do with us that when we come to church and we hear the word of God preach, every time he ministers to us, every time he speaks to us, guess what? The test is coming. The test is coming. Listen, we don't know when the test is coming. When we go to school and, you know, every semester, the end of the semester, 
you know, you, you get an exam, a test, whatever. We go to Bible school now, you know, and, and every trimester we, we get a test, right? And so we know when it's coming because the date is scheduled. When you go to school, your teacher tells you when you're going to have the final exam and all of that stuff. Well, in God, you don't know when that final exam is coming for that course you just learned. You don't know when he's going to bring that test in your life. But one thing you will know is that if God is speaking and teaching his word to you, uh, the test is coming. The test is coming and we got to learn this word so when the test comes, uh, we can pass that test. Mm -hmm. We experience storms in our lives when we are disobedient to God, but also when we are obedient to God. (laughs) We experience storms in our life when we are disobedient to God, but also when we are obedient to God. Jonah experienced the storm when he was disobedient. The disciples experienced the storm when they were obedient so whether you or whether you are obedient or disobedient storm is going to come because storm represent what did you learn what have you been learning what did you learn what have you been learning here is what you need to know. That's what storm represents. And we look at storm as panicking. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh I'm going to be destroyed. When God is only bringing the storm as a test to see if you have learned what he's been teaching you. That's why. And he brings the storm. So in the storm, you will gather things about yourself and about God that you did not know before the storm. Mm-hmm. So don't you worry about storms, thinking that storms are there to destroy you. Uh-uh. That's not how God intended storms to be. Mm-mm. Did Jesus know the storm was coming? Sure he did. <laughs> the storm was part of that, that, that day's curriculum. He taught them. He was teaching the whole time. That was the curriculum about, he was teaching them about the kingdom. And so he got finished with teaching and he says, okay, let me put them through this test to see if they was paying attention in class. Brother D, whether in high school, middle school, college, we can pretend church we can pretend we're listening we can pretend we're hearing and getting this thing but sooner or later it will be proven whether we were listening or we were just playing around it doesn't matter how much you're focused on whoever is giving the speech or whoever is ministering or whoever is teaching you can be focused on them you can be nodding your head you can be taking notes you can be Doing whatever you're doing. Some of you could be talking, elbowing somebody, texting somebody. Whatever you're doing, you could be doing that whichever way you choose to go. All I'm telling you is you better learn what's going on here. 
because a storm is coming. You better learn what's going on here because there's a storm and that storm is being sent by the one who is helping you to grow and learn and know who he is. The one who's coming back for you will send you a storm so you can know where you are. We can't escape it. No, we can't escape it. The storm was a part of that curriculum. With the end of the curriculum. It would help the disciples understand a lesson that they did not even know they needed to learn. What's that lesson that they needed to learn? That they didn't know they need to learn. Can I say this? There are things in us that we have suppressed to the point where we've forgotten. Hurts. Failures, flaws, pain, disappointment, disgust. There are things in us that we have suppressed, experiences that have really taken us for a loop and have done work to us and really messed us up big time. And we finally got a chance to finally suppress it. And it stays right there. And we come to church and we give our life to Jesus. We repent of our sins. We get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He fills us with his spirit. He starts teaching us about holiness. He starts teaching us about righteousness. He starts teaching us about living right and, 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 and our faith increasing. And all of these things start to happen to us. But that thing that's wrong with us still suppressed. And we don't think about it because guess what? The joy of the Lord. There is joy in the house of the Lord. And so we're just jamming to the joy of the Lord. You know, just like I, Mr. Brenton, like when the praise singers show out. Praise singers start singing. Man, he loses mind. That's the online congregation in case y'all don't know. They, you know, the praise singers bring it. He tell you. If they don't bring it. I don't know if he's saying anything about it, but, 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 but he, but he's jamming and enjoying because there's joy in God, but it doesn't change the fact that there's something in us. There's some hurt in us. There's some pain. There's some flaws in us. There's, there's some discontentment in us. There's some anger in us. There's some things in us that still need to come out, but we suppressed it so much. That is just way deep down in there that we're walking around like it doesn't even exist. And God wants you to be completely free. He's not like us. We will compromise. We will compromise. Ah, this is not that bad. Ah, I'll be all right. Ah, I'm not going to worry about that too much. But God wants you to be complete in him. And being complete in Christ will require him to get everything that he needs to get out of you. And that nothing is suppressed and nothing is hidden and nothing is drawing you down and nothing is weighing you down. He wanted it all out if it's no good for you. And so it makes me think about Job. When the Lord says, just watch the Lord. Man, he is so incredible. And I... I 
I love, you notice by now probably me telling you about learning the ways of God is just special to me. I love that. And so watch the Lord. Watch him. Have you considered my servant, Job? That's bragging. Have you considered him? Upright. Man, that is skewing evil. All that time God is saying that about his boy Job, he knew Job had some hidden things that was wrong with him. When are we going to get that kind of character like our God? That we can be lifting each other up and giving each other the high five and encouraging each other even when we know we have flaws. Woo! That's 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 the attribute of God helping Lifting up, encouraging, being a blessing to somebody, even in their flaws, and you don't let that flaw bother you. That's what he did with Job. But because God is perfect, and he's trying to perfect us in him, he says, in his mind, that is, he didn't say it out loud until later on we figured it out. Job, you my man, the devil won't destroy you, but you my man so much. I want you to be just completely whole. And so that's when he allowed the devil to attack Job without taking Job's life. And he allowed all these things to happen to Job. Storms coming to Job, coming to Job. Everything happened to Job. Why? Because something was in Job that needed to come out of Job. And he wanted it out of Job because he wanted everything to be right with Job. The most deadly thing was in Job, as good as he was as a man of God. Anybody know what's one of the most deadly sin in our life? All sin is sin. But I'm going to tell you why pride is the most deadliest. Because it came from the devil. That was his issue. Pride came from Satan. That was his business. That was his deal. And that's why he didn't remain in this position. Prideful. I can be like the most high. So you got to go. So pride is the most deadliest thing that we can have in our life. There's a lot of other things that we can have, and it's not good, but it, man, it's not like pride. Because another thing about pride is pride can hide real good. Pride hides so good that it's disguised, and you don't realize that you're prideful. It's disguised. And so that's what happened to Job. And so God had to send storms Job way. Lose his children. Lose his house. Houses. Lose his cattle. Lost everything. But his wife went crazy. Lost everything. Because that was the only way the Lord was going to get out of him the pride. So storm came his way. And the Lord permitted that storm. Too often we're thinking that we're going through stuff and we're like, how could this be? I'm a child of God. Instead of going the opposite and says, this should be because I'm a child of God. (laughs) We are quick to run to the other side. How could this be? No, it should be because you are a child of God. Mm -hmm. Listen to me. Jesus can be trusted In the storms of your life. Jesus can be trusted in the storms of your life. 
the one that's permitting it anyway. He can be trusted. Many people have the idea that storms come to their lives only when they have obeyed or only when they have disobeyed God. But this is not always the case because storms will come in your life when you also obey God. So whether you're obedient or disobedient, storms is going to come to your life because they're there for a purpose. And all we can do is think about ourselves. This whole weekend during prayer conference really challenged me a lot. And just from the standpoint in my mind, every time I got up to minister, one of my struggle is as a minister, after you come to realize who God is, it's very challenging To go with the majority of always wanting to believe and talk about what we desire. It's very challenging for me because I know most people will rather hear something that they can relate to to make them feel better. And what I know about God is what makes everything work for us is his purpose, his plan and his will. And when I start talking like that. I can see people like because they want something that makes them feel good. It's almost like candy uh, that they're eating. So whatever they're going through, that candy make them feel good. And a lot of times people want to hear that kind of preaching, candy kind of preaching. So that can make them feel good. But I know the Lord and I am going to preach to you always about the will of God. The purpose of God, the plan of God, what God wants to do, because that's what's good for you, saith the Lord, not the preacher. And so wherever God take Christ in a church and take me in the ministry that he has given unto me, God knows. But I just understand how the Lord operates. And what we do majority of the time, most of the time is we're looking for something that make us feel good. How about church? We start looking to understand that when we hear the will of God being preached, the plan of God being preached, that should make us feel good. How about we change how we relate to preaching, how we relate to what the the teaching is supposed to be, how we respond? How about we change that up and start saying, God, I am going to look forward to when you tell me about your plan and your will and what you desire for me and what you want me to be. How about that begin to get us excited and not so much God? I need your help. God, will you bring us through? God, will you provide? I told you a long time ago, if I wanted to be a crooked preacher, I could. Because I would look for every verse, every scripture in the Bible that makes you feel good and preach it every week. And we would have a big church. And we would have people give a lot of money because I look for all the money, scripture that makes you feel good so you can give all your money. I would look for all the stuff to make you feel good because people, 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 people going to feel good and they just going to just do everything you tell them because they feel good. There's a reason why Jim Jones got, got all them people to take their own life. Because we like to follow people that make us feel good. It's not the will of God. Not the will of God. The storm was fierce, even for fishermen. 
The storm described here must have been especially fierce. It frightened an experienced fisherman or experienced fishermen. They were frightened. Couldn't believe it. But unfortunately, there were probably at least three good reasons why none of them in the ship should have been disturbed and frightened the way they were. They should not have. They should not have. I'm not casting stones or um, casting judgment on them. I'm just saying they should not have. Here's one reason why they shouldn't have. They had Jesus. His promise that he made earlier. Come, let us go to the other side. That's what he said. I read that slow when we were reading that earlier. Jesus said, come, let us go to the other side. Jesus said, come, let us go to the other side. You getting that? He didn't say go to the other side. He said, come, let us go to the other side. So it means that he's going with us. Isn't that what it means? And so if he said, come, let us go to the other side. If I believe he says who he is, if what he said he is, I believe it, then what should I be worried about? We rolling. It's like rolling with somebody that's loaded. I've been the boy, I've been the boy like that. You ever had friends like that? I've been the friend like that. I wasn't loaded, but you know, for that moment in time I was going somewhere, I had all the money. I knew I had enough money that if all of if I could take care of everybody. So they was like, yeah, good. Let's roll. My boy got it. We got a nice ride going down. We got pocket full of money. We feel like we were unstoppable. And that's our, you know, us as human, that's just deceived. But I've had times where I feel like, man, we've got it all. Let's go. They had Jesus with them. Jesus. And they're questioning if they're really going to get to the other side. Church, he's calling us to heaven. He's already made the journey. What are we worrying about right now? Whatever is going on in your life, if you today, if you've never done this, you do this today. You understand that Jesus Christ is one and that he's God Almighty, Lord of all, and you repent of your sins and you get baptized in Jesus' name, he promises he will fill you with his spirit, and you continue to live in obedience to his word, and guess what? It's guaranteed. Guaranteed. You will make the journey. Because he made the journey already. Whatever Jesus commands us to do, he enables us to do it. Whatever Jesus commands us to do, he enables us to do it. So if you read the word of God or I preach the word of God and he tells you something, just know whether you think you're capable, whether you think you have the ability or the talent or whatever it requires, don't you worry about that. Just understand if he tells me, if he commands me to do it, I'm able to do it. It's just that simple. I don't have to go check my background. I don't have to go check my education. I don't have to go check what kind of abilities I have. If he commands me to do it, I will do it. Because he is enabling me to do it. Whatever 
Jesus commands us to do. He enables us to do it. Nothing can hinder the working out of his plans. So if he's commanding you to do it, it's part of his plan. And he's not going to allow anything to hinder or stop his plan. He did not promise an easy trip, but he promised a guaranteed arrival at the destination. He didn't say the trip would be easy. He didn't say there wouldn't be turbulence. But he promised and guaranteed an arrival to the destination he promised. So they should have known those things. The other reason, the Lord himself was with them. We, we mentioned that. The Lord was with them. So why would they even consider themselves to be in any kind of trouble the lord was with them so why would they fear it's like now as christians with the pandemic and everything that's going on why would we fear if the lord is on board why would we fear if we're right with god why would we fear They had already seen his power demonstrated in miracles, so they should have complete confidence that he could handle the situation. But for some reason, they didn't believe that. They didn't see it that way. The third reason why they should have understood that it's no big deal they could see that Jesus was perfectly at peace, even in the midst of the storm. I said this morning, you know, I, you, you got to be real with yourself, right? And so I said this morning, as I'm just reading, and 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 that, because I don't like to say, man, what were they thinking, and try to make it like I'm better than anybody. So I check myself all the time. So this morning as I'm reading it, and the disciples went and said, Lord, do you care if we perish? I said, what would I have done? Here's what I would have done. Tony is Jesus. And he lay in the, in, in the hinder part on the pillow, at peace, not worrying about anything. You know what I would have done? I would have just went and slept, but I would have put my hands around his ankle. You know what I mean? Like, I got to make sure that as long as he's there and as long as he's at peace, what am I worrying about? I think that's what I would have done. I don't know if I learned that from my wife, though. And then my daughter does it. Stays looking like, what is he talking about? Get your Bible here, Tony. I don't know why she do this. She asleep. Like I'm going somewhere. So for whatever the reasons, 
She be sleeping, her leg like this. So maybe that's why I said what I said this morning, because maybe I would have did the same thing. That's why I would have ran up to Jesus and grabbed his leg. So she got to sleep like this. Her leg got to be all, I'm like, yo, sis. <laughs> and then, Tony, the little girl, she, she born and she start growing up. And when she come lay with me, she do this. I'm like, what in the world is going on around here? <laughs> did, that, did that show like I was leaving or something? My goodness. So I don't think I would have been one of them that's saying, Lord, don't you care? I would have just went and laid right where he was and grabbed his ankle and go to sleep. too. Because in my little stupid mind, I'd be thinking, well, whatever he's doing, if I do it, I'll be just fine doing it. And whatever is going on with him, same thing would go on with me. It's my personality. Because remember I told y'all. I laid hands on myself the very first few months I was in church after I learned that, you know, you, you know, you saved, you have the Holy Ghost, you can pray for yourself and you will be healed. So it's kind of my personality. Okay, that's what you got to do. Okay. So if I saw Jesus laying down in peace, I would have said, maybe if I'm laying there, I won't have to work. So I just went and laid down with him. I don't know. The question came instead of them laying down with him, grabbing his ankles. Instead of somebody saying, Jesus, let me get a piece of that pillow. <laughs> and somebody moved, in case somebody moved his head over a little bit and put their, put their head on the pillow. Instead of them doing that, guess what they said? Lord, don't you care if we perish? The disciples' words were more of a criticism than a call for help. It was more of a criticism. How easy is it for us to complain and criticize God for not coming to our aid rather than making our requests than trusting him for the answer? Listen, we're not getting this, but what we do all the time is we pray and pray because we want God to show up in our situation and do what we think he should do. And when we don't have him do it, when he does not do it the way we want him to, all of a sudden now we got a problem with God. Can I tell you a little secret? Here's, here's new revelation. When you pray... And God don't do it right away. You probably want to rejoice a little bit. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. I praise you, oh God. You are my God. You know why? If he did it right away, I might start thinking, oh, I can get God to do whatever I want. Tony, if he do it immediately. Maybe I might walk away thinking, oh, I can get God to do whatever I want. And you will be misguided because there's only one God and he do what he wants to do when he wants to do it and how he wants to do it. So when you pray and he doesn't do anything, you need to rejoice because it means he's God. And he does what he wants, when he wants, and how he wants. So go ahead and rejoice when he doesn't do it right away, because he will do it just when it needs to be done. And in this case, he ain't going to release you from it. You're going to have to go through it with him. So often we want God to stop the storm. and we No, no, no. God is saying, listen, you're going to deal with this storm a little bit. And when I decide that I need it to be calm, then, then I'll calm it. But for right now, you're going to deal with this storm a little bit. Amen. 
We ought to rejoice because God is on the throne. He is sovereign. He is doing what only he can do, and nobody can make him do whatever they want. I told them, I don't know, maybe a Saturday, I told them, I said, um, we think, and there's no knock on anybody. I just want to give you correct understanding of Bible. And we think that Abraham bargained with God and got God to agree with him about if there's only five righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah. So, Brother D, he didn't bargain with God. God already knew the story and what the outcome would be. And so what was demonstrated there that we don't want to miss is that he had a good enough relationship that God went back and forth with him. What do you mean by that, preacher? Because God could have said, listen, yo, 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 don't even talk to me about no 10 righteous, 20 righteous. Don't talk to me about no 30 righteous and all that stuff. I'm going to do what I'm going to do because I'm God. He could have did that. And there's times when God put his foot down and says, I am the Lord, I change not, I am the Lord, and he just lay it down as to what he's going to do. But Abraham had that relationship where I can just picture God have a smirk on his face. All right, God, if there be 50 righteous, can I talk to you, Lord? And, 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 and he says, okay, you can talk to me. Just like how my oldest two, they, they learned a long time ago, I'm trying to train the youngest one now, because he just got... You know, a little crazy, but 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 the, old, the 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 two oldest one learned over the years the best way to get to me, and they knew the best way to get to me is by being responsible, and that usually means, Dad, can I talk to you when you get a chance? So that means you make sure you know I don't have any other thing going on. You get my full attention. So I taught them this. So they started learning that that they now need to say, Dad, can I talk to you? And I say, Sure. When? And they tell me, and then we sit down, and then we have our conversations. And they know that's when I'm reasonable. When we have planned the conversation, we sit down, and we have dialogue, we have exchanged. So, so, so that's what Abraham really did with God. He had dialogue with him. But God always knew the answer, and God answers what, the answer was never going to change. So he let Abraham go ahead. God, I know you, God, and you merciful, and it's not your will that any should perish. What if there's 50 righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah? Will you still destroy it? And the Lord says, Abraham, if there's 50 righteous, I will not destroy it. But understand the psychology of it. God knew because he's all-knowing. It was never 50 righteous. He knew because he's all-knowing there were never 40 righteous. So he entertained them. And so that's the part that's really interesting to say, wow, God. So he entertained them and let him keep talking. But all along, God knew what he was going to do. And that, Abraham wasn't going to change. Now, you want to hear something interesting? If Abraham was have said, well, God, how about you just not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? That was never going to fly because God already knew he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So... We can't bargain with God. God's going to do what he's going to do. Now, it just so happened that you got on board with what God is going to do. It might look like you bargaining with God, but it's only because you got on board with what he was going to do. This is why I try to teach and preach you 
preach to you that don't you try to live for God, always worrying about what you want, what you need. How can God do this? Because it's not the way the real world work with God. The way the real work, the, the real world work, the kingdom work is God. What is your will? And you better start liking the will of God. You better start loving the will of God. So now when he tells you what his will, whether it's something that you understand or you don't, you just like smiling. Let's do it, God. It's your will. The disciples' words were like criticism. And they allowed it to interfere with how they need to see God. Although the disciples had witnessed many miracles, they panicked. In this storm, added to that, they, re, they revealed that they completely misunderstood all the teaching they had received. The test is coming, church. All what you hear in this church, all what God is preaching into your heart through this preacher, the bottom line is he has given it to you so you can grow and mature in him. And the only way you're going to know if you're growing and you're going somewhere and you're maturing in Christ is when the storm come, how do you handle it? When the end of the semester come, according to what he designates and he gives you the exam, what will you do on it? They panicked in the storm. Unfortunately, they should have understood what he taught them and put that into practice. We can't underestimate Jesus once we come to know him. There is nothing that he can't do. And so we need to understand that whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, it's not too hard for him. The disciples lived with Jesus, but they underestimated him. They did not see that his power applied to their very own situation. It's a shame when Pentecostal people, faithful Pentecostal people, know less or know God less than anybody else. One of the things that establishes the Pentecostal apostolic people why people will come around us and say, mm, this is different, is because of their knowledge of who God is. The spirit, the Holy Ghost is a big part and the name is a big part. But a big part of it is we really do know who he is. He's not some, some figment of our man. We really do understand his, his, his qualities. We do understand his character. We understand his ways. And so... When you understand someone, you know how to communicate. You know how to have fellowship. You know how to get together when you understand someone. So people will come around us and they will say, mm, different. And that's because we have his spirit. We know his name. But we also understand who he is and we know his ways. That's important. And so unfortunately, these disciples that's been with him for a minute now, He's teaching, he's showing, and they miss something because they act like probably they were paying attention at one point, but they weren't. The disciples did not know yet enough about Jesus to have the proper response. And it's not Jesus' fault why they didn't know. It was there. They probably weren't paying attention. Whatever your difficulty, you have two options. 
You can worry and assume that Jesus no longer cares. Or you can resist fear and put your trust in him. Doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter how hard and difficult the situation may seem to you. You have two options. You can worry and assume Jesus no longer cares. Or you can say, God, I trust you. And whatever your will is, let it be done. That's how we got to live this life. This is why we got to deal with this pandemic just like that. We can't be worrying about what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. The bottom line is, God, let your will be done. I trust you. I'm closing. Our greatest problems are within us, not around us. 